Hello? Inday! Sir? We had a car accident. The missus is seriously hurt and rushed to the hospital. Si ma'am? We need money. Take the money out of the drawer. But, but it's locked! Just break it open. Wait, why does your voice sound different? Are you really sir? Of course it's me. I'm just using a cell phone. No, you're not. According to the PLDT caller ID, you are calling from a landline, 833-4000. Damn, you have a caller ID. Aro, you're the gudugu gang. I now have your number. I will report you to the police. Welcome to the 47th episode of Banana Q Podcast. <laughs> For those who are not old enough to recognize the cold open, it was actually a TV commercial back in the 90s when caller IDs were introduced for telephones. Of course, that commercial was in Tagalog, but for the benefit of our listeners who may not understand that, we um, Englishize. No, Englishize is that even is that the right term? <laughs> because we're Tagalized. What's the other way? We, we dubbed or we translated. Yeah, we translated it in English. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the days, the color IDs were a separate item, right? You attach it to your phone. Yes. Oh my God, we just revealed our AHD. We're old. Dugu Dugu gang that was mentioned is one of the famous gangs, I guess. Back yeah, then, like yeah. a crime syndicate. They prey specifically on helpers. Mm. So they would call a helper and then like pretend to be their boss and then, you know, mm. get them to turn over the money. Now, true crimes are one of the most popular genres in podcasting. So we thought we would tackle that. But not serious true crimes like murder. <laughs> we'll let Lagim, a Filipino true crime podcast, handle that. So instead of doing serious true crime, we'll just do petty crimes instead. <laughs> yes, true petty crimes. <laughs> true petty crimes in the Philippines. So we found this website, right, that listed a lot of scams. But D, you know of a scam that's not in the list. So the first on our list is the Tasadai. So I know before I told him about this, Ray didn't hear about this. So maybe mm. our listeners are also too young to remember this. <laughs> so I took to the internet and found an article on BBC which states, On June 7, 1971, in the dense rainforest of South Cotabato province in Mindanao, Manuel Elizalde Jr., a local Filipino official, made initial contact with a group of 26 people called the Tasadai. Mm. Now, the interesting thing about these people was that they apparently had no knowledge of agriculture or any other technology beyond the Paleolithic Stone Age, making them the most primitive surviving culture on Earth. So they made their home in deep caves in the dense jungle, fitting the vulgar expression cavemen. Mm. Since they were ignorant of both farming and animal domestication, their diet consisted of gathered food, wild yams, palms, crabs, tadpoles, and such. They wore very little clothing, and what they did wear was made of leaves, and their tools were made of stone. Yeah, they, they sound like a legit caveman. I think Ross Geller would be very interested. Yeah, them. I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, in an effort to protect the tribe, President Marcos declared 19,000 hectares surrounding the Tasadai off-limits. This was shortly before he declared martial law in the entire Philippines. Soldiers were posted outside the caves and anyone who wanted to see the Tasadai had to first be approved and escorted by Elizalde. Few scientists actually got to see them. 
National Geographic introduced the world to the Tasadai by first doing several magazine articles on them and then a CBS documentary. So Philippines became Ooh. famous in this time, like, woo, <laughs> you know, there's this elusive cavemen have been spotted in the Philippines. But in 1986, nearly 15 years after the Tasadai were first discovered, everything changed. General Marcos's Tyrannus regime was ousted and a new, freer, democratic government took its place. So, Swiss writer and anthropologist named Oswald Iten took advantage of the opportunity to study the Tasadai without the former government's restrictions. He brought Joey Lazano, a journalist from South Cotabato, with him on his expedition. Strangely, when they reached the caves, they found them deserted. A search of the surrounding area led to the discovery of the same Stone Age people a short distance away, living in modest huts, wearing t-shirts and blue jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Fake. Iten and Lozano realized that the whole thing was a glorious hoax. Further research showed that the Tasadai actually came from two other tribes, tribes that had been part of the modern world for years. They publicized their findings through an ABC television documentary entitled The Tribe That Never Was. Millions of viewers were confronted with the images of Filipinos in T-shirts and Levi's laughing at the pictures of themselves from National Geographic. One anthropologist called the Tasadai rainforest clock punchers who were cave people by day and went home to their families at night. Oh no. <laughs> so he became famous again, but in a bad way. <laughs> That's very shameful. Exactly. I'm getting secondhand embarrassment from something that happened decades ago. Oh my god. But in retrospect, the fraud seemed obvious. Like some wondered why were the caves so clean? Even a Stone Age tribe would have had garbage such as crab shells or scraps of food. And also, the Tasadai were a mere three hours' walk from modern village. It seemed odd yeah. that they would not have encountered this village while searching for food. Now, the question was, who organized this incredible hoax? Incredible hoax. <laughs> <laughs> All roads led to Elizalde. Some of the Tasadai came forth and admitted conspiring with him. One man mm. gave this revealing account. We didn't live in caves, only near them, until we met Elizalde. He forced us to live in the caves so that we'd be better cavemen. Before he came, we lived in huts on the other side of the mountain, and we farmed. We took off our clothes because Elizalde told us to do so, and promised us if we looked poor that we would get assistance. He gave us money to post as Tasadai and promised us security from counterinsurgency and tribal fighting. Oh, that's so bad. So Elizalde was a government official, so I would say his mm -hmm. ulterior motive was to gather tourists. Yes, and he also founded this non-profit organization called Panamin. So it's specifically mm -hmm. for the Dasadai. And of course, the tourists or the even the big shots back then, apparently celebrities and such, were contributing money to this mm. organization. So that was his point. And, you know, when Marcos's dictatorship ended, he was the first crony to leave the Philippines. And he took $35 million from this nonprofit. Oh, wow. I see. So probably the president was in on it as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was. So that's it. That's... One huge wow. scam. I didn't know about that scam, and it's really fascinating that we garnered international notoriety <laughs> for scamming. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> the Tasada is the tribe that never was. How embarrassing. That is embarrassing. And another embarrassing scam that 
made the news internationally was the Laglagbala scandal. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was in 2015. And it victimized mostly OFWs, like overseas Filipino workers and elderlies who travel through Ninoy International Airport or Naia in Manila. Mm-hmm. So what they do is there's a syndicate of airport security personnel and they would put a bullet to unsuspecting victims and when their bags are scanned to the x-ray machine of course the alarms would go off right mm-hmm. and then the airport security personnel would extort them money okay i will keep quiet i will let the policeman know if you give me 30,000 pesos oh my god oh, oh, oh well, why is there a bullet in your bag and, and of course you <laughs> as the passenger mm-hmm. you have no idea you have no clue why there's a bullet yes. in your bag right and if you're in a hurry you're afraid that you might have a police record or you don't want to miss your flight so of course you may give in and pay money which also kind of inspire more airport security personnel mm, this is a lucrative yeah, money-making oh machine and it was famous because a lot of foreign tourists were victimized and you know americans and western people they don't like being extorted <laughs> and they're really <laughs> yeah they don't want to pay and they would sue it's a good thing that they are very upfront and vocal about it and it's so international that it even made the japanese uh, news at the tv news, oh so. They kind of did a, a reenactment <laughs> okay. of how the Lagtagbala <laughs> scandal is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because they want to let the Japanese tourists or their Japanese nationals know of this scheme. So that yeah. when they travel, happen to travel in the Philippines, they can avoid being victimized of this Lagtagbala scheme. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, once people saw that in the news, a lot of people came forward and said, you know what? That happened to me too. And I... I paid money because I had no choice. And so there were about 30 to 40 victims. Whoa, um, that's that a lot. Came okay. forward. Yeah, it, it is a big thing. And it embarrassed not just the airport security personnel, but our entire country. Yeah. Because right? it's, the, it's <laughs> the airport. It's the first and last thing that you would see as a tourist yes. in a country, right? So that's why a lot of countries beautify their airports. <laughs> They want it to be the best because first and last impressions last. And our impression... <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not good at <laughs> to all. To the tourists. Oh, it's just awful. Yeah. yeah, I remember. We were already OFWs. And I remember a friend of mine who's afraid to be victimized of this Laglagbala. He kind of wrapped his bags with a lot of packaging tape. And then he wrote a message. Please don't <laughs> open. I don't have bullets or something like that. <laughs> oh my God, that's quite funny. But I, yeah, I remember, I think during that time, it was when those, you could actually pay for them to like wrap your luggage mm. in the plastic cling wrap or something. Yeah. The ending of this was, you know, it was so embarrassing for the Philippines that I think the president uh, did something to prevent this. Yeah, it was the transition. So 2016, I think Rodrigo Duterte was elected. And so he visited Naia. He tasked a lot of high-level personnel or high-level uh, government official to take over and take charge to really mm. end this scandal. Because it was really ingrained into the security personnel organization of Naia. So it, it really needed somebody high up to, to fix it. Otherwise, you'll just be patching up with band-aids and not really implicating the real head of the crime or syndicate. Yeah, so it's really good that that blew up then. I mean, in a way, that's why social media nowadays helps. Like, I think if in that had happened in the past, wouldn't have blown up that much, right? And it would probably still yeah. be ongoing for years. Yeah, even if it were discovered, it would have victimized a lot more people because it would have taken a lot more time before you know this reached the national government level. Exactly. 
So this next item is the massage scam. Usually at the red light district, a woman offers you a massage for a cheap price. Then, while you are lying face down getting the massage, your unattended valuables are stolen. Now that I think about it though, I think it's possible that this may have happened to me. But this is not at a red light district, okay? <laughs> hmm. No, it was at a beach, specifically Puerto Galera. Hmm. So I got a massage on the beach, and after that, I could no longer find my cell phone, which was a Nokia flip phone. You remember those? I see, I see. Yeah, actually, this was just the start of a series of unfortunate events. Like, probably this was one of my most memorable travel experiences. Uh, this happened a long time ago, in 2007. This was the year before I moved to Singapore because I don't remember everything. So I turned to my blog to refresh my memory of what happened. And this is what 2007 me said. My friend Ryan insisted on trying to find the cell phone where I had it last. I told them I would rather move on and drown my loss in a picture of Mindoro's sling. So he walked up to one of the bars and did just that. Then Ryan said he wanted to watch Bamboo's concert, which was going on at the left part of the island. So off he went, and while there, my friend Rona, who was beginning to feel warm due to the drink, wanted to go for a midnight swim. I agreed to go with her. Mm. While we were in the ocean, a couple of foreigners tried to pick us up. Ooh, spicy. Rona's guy was from Thailand, and my guy was from Singapore. Ooh. Hooking up with tipsy strangers was not exactly our style, so we decided to bid them goodbye when Ryan was through watching the concert. Mm. Besides, we needed to stick with Ryan because we couldn't remember our lodging's whereabouts. Wait, wait, hold on. Before mm-hmm. you continue, the, uh-huh. the concert that Ryan went to, is it the Bamboo the Band? Yes. Or Bamboo, like <laughs> actual real Bamboos? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, to clarify, no? yeah, it's bam- Bamboo is a popular band. Yes. Okay. So okay. he was I there. I thought it's like a bamboo band. Like all the instruments are made of bamboo. No, it's not. It <laughs> is the know. popular band. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go yeah, on. yeah. Going back, right? So Rona's guy was insistent on not letting her go. So Ryan made them follow us home. Ryan walked ahead, followed by our pair. So with me and the Singaporean at the back. Just then, my companion met someone he knew and he introduced me. I don't know why, like, <laughs> what's his point? But the next thing I knew, I could no longer see Ryan or Rona. <gasps> Uh-oh. You were left alone? Yes, with that stranger. <gasps> the stranger was saying that I could go home with him to his house and sleep there. What? But I, of course, I don't want to do that. And I think we were supposed to go back the next day and, you know, I would be stuck there. Like, mm. how where how would I even go, right? And I had no cell phone. So I said, no, no, we have to part. Since I know it would be doubly hard to try to locate my lodgings with some stranger by my side. So... So after I left him, I asked around and somehow I made it to the main road at the back. Then I rode a tricycle and we drove around, but in the dark. It was hard to figure out anything. Mm. It was such wrong timing to lose my cell phone. Now, I don't know if you've been to Puerto Galera, but it's, I guess, similar to Boracay, but it's smaller. Mm -hmm. I see. So it's kind of like, you know, the beach is on one side and then there's like houses at the back. Yeah, And then some of the people at the back, right, they rent out their houses where you could stay, mm. that sort of thing. Like an Airbnb. Yeah, so that's what I was looking yeah. for. Finally, I decided to go down since I thought like, oh, maybe it'll be easier to find the place on foot. Luckily, oh, a really okay. kind woman helped me. I think she was supposed to be a tourist something. Is there a tourist helper? <laughs> and she went overtime because of you. Turistanod or something. Anyway, so she, she asked what I remembered about where I was staying. And I told her, all I remember is that it's next to a house where an insane man lives. <laughs> 
Okay. And and she she's like and you're and you're describing thirty other <laughs> thirty different houses. No, she no, actually she looked really confused. Like, what what do you mean? So about that, let me go back to the beginning. So when we arrived earlier that day, my friends led us to this house, which I mentioned is like an Airbnb. Except at that time, it wasn't called Airbnb. But anyway, we had rented that house for our stay. So after we left our stuff and then we put on our beach gear and all, we headed out and we found Ryan, my friend, who was chatting with a guy who was locked up behind bars next door. Okay. Later, he told us that the guy was mentally ill mm. and his family had built him his own mental asylum of sorts beside their house. So that was the bars. That sounds cruel. Yeah, it is cruel. So it was like a kind of like a prison, actually. It's not really mental. Yeah. Asylum. So that's what I remember, right? Because of course you would remember a specific detail like that. That's not common at all, right? Yeah. And that was what I was telling the lady because that's the only thing I remembered, which luckily mm-hmm. was a memorable thing, right? So she gave me a strange look, but she still helped me out by asking all the people around if they knew any insane guys living on the island. But they looked as blank as she did. And then she asked a bunch of kids passing by, and one of them said, Ah, yes, I know him. And he even named the guy. So <laughs> I don't remember the guy's name by now. Like, for example, he would say, Ah, yes, I know him, Ray. Like that. So, <laughs> so she told the kid, Okay, kid, you see this lady? So she pointed at me. She is lost. She probably stays next door to that man. I need you to bring her there. But if it turns out that she doesn't stay there after all, you are not to leave her. But you should bring her to your home so that she can sleep at your house. Wow. <laughs> so, can you imagine? You should have seen the look on that kid's face. Like, what? Why do I suddenly have this huge responsibility on my shoulders? I'm just a kid. Why do I have to take care of this random lady? <laughs> But I like I like the I like the the level of command <laughs> the tourist Tanud took, right? Because yes. I think it was it was the only thing that could be done. Yes, at that time of night. So the kid looked stunned, like what? But he and his friends brought me there. Mm. And luckily it turned out to indeed be the place where I was staying. <laughs> because like what are the odds that it's a different place, right? Like how many, you know, jail cells could have been built, right? <laughs> So I gave the kid the only money I had with me, which was 20 pesos. I mean, I would have given him more, but that's the only money I had left at that point. And then I ran up to her room. My friend Rona was there, but the others were out looking for me. And she said when she got home, she told my friend Yen what had happened. And then Yen said, Kanina, nawawala ang cellphone niya? Ngayon pati siya nawawala? Somebody cast a spell on you, <laughs> And yes, so there you go. Lost cell phone, being left alone with a stranger. And then... <laughs> the only thing you can remember is to be, <laughs> to be staying next to a house with a crazy man. Yeah, in a jail cell. Yeah, I'm sorry about that guy being in that situation. But I think there are... Uh, not a lot, but I think there are some of those in the Philippines, definitely, right? I'm mm. sure that's not considered humane in other countries. That was quite a trip, D. Yes, that was. Memorable. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And the next scam is very similar, I would say, because 
it's the sex scam. Because <laughs> 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 some massages <laughs> have a beautiful ending or a happy ending. And so it also happens near uh, nightclubs or red light districts. And it usually happens when an attractive female is crying maybe or as a sub story to share to a guy. And then the, the girl would say, Ooh, um, me and my husband, we had a very big fight and I just want to hook up with someone, you know, something like that. Something oh, to that line. Okay, okay. And then? And then, of course, if you're a tipsy foreigner, you would think that, hey, she's asking for it or she's inviting me. So what's the harm? And then the girl would be suggesting which motel to go. And then you get inside. And when you're about to do it, somebody would knock on the door very loudly. Uh-huh. And then when you open... Somebody is there pretending to be the husband of that uh, woman, and oh. then, oh, adultery in this country is is illegal. I will report you to the police uh-huh. unless you give me thirty thousand pesos or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so again, extorting foreigners, right? And and there's another version to that. In instead of saying that that woman is my wife, it could be oh that woman is my sister and she's. Young, she is not even 18 years old, so you can be arrested for child abuse or something like that, child molestation. So that's even graver, right? And oh, yes. So a lot of people got victimized of this. Of course, it's a syndicate, right? It's a plan. They try to prey on tipsy tourists that probably has a lot of cash with them. Yes. And so they would trick them into this scheme. So it's a good thing that you didn't go with the tourist D in Portugal. Where was that again? Portugalera, yes. Portugalera, <laughs> because he might be doing the same scheme to you. <laughs> like you went to his place and somebody would knock on the door. He is my husband. And adultery is a crime in this country. He was the foreigner. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> Maybe it's a derivative of the scam. Maybe, you know. What? Instead of attacking foreigners, it's trying to prey on uh, local tourists. And that's why they use a foreigner as the front man. So I don't know. I don't know. It's, a, it's a total possibility. <laughs> sure, if you say so. But um, okay, but I don't think so. But sure, why not? Why not? <laughs> the next item is our, on our list is ATM skimming. So skimming Mm. is an illegal activity that involves the installation of a device usually undetectable by ATM users that secretly records bank account data when the user inserts an ATM card into the machine. So the skimmer usually looks very similar to the original card reader in color and texture, and it fits right over the card reader. So you don't even notice that, you know, it's a schemer, you think it's part of the machine. Yeah. So as customers insert their ATM card, bank account information on the card is skimmed or stolen. Ooh. A concealed camera is typically used in conjunction with the skimming device in order to record customers typing their PIN into the ATM keypad. Mm. Criminals can then encode the stolen data onto a blank card and use it to loot the customer's bank account. So this is the reason why in ATM booths, right, you usually have like a notice saying that, you know, you should cover your hand while you're keying in your ATM pin. And the reason for this is so that in case there's a skimmer on the machine, they would still not be able to break into your account because they don't have your pin. Mm. Uh, otherwise, that would be ha- that would be very hard to detect, right? Yeah. How, how do you detect a machine? Before you put your ATM in, you try to jiggle that part. And if it comes off, mm. then obviously it's a skimmer. <laughs> 
but don't jiggle too hard. You might destroy the the actual thing. And there are cameras, and like this, this customer. Yeah, purposely yeah. destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I'm also afraid to do the jiggle thing because, like, okay. But I'm a bit paranoid about all those things. So, um, I think in other, I don't know about the Philippines, but in other countries, right? They they have this thing to really cover the keypad nowadays, right? Yeah. To prevent that. But even though it's there, I usually still cover it. <laughs> I'm too paranoid. <laughs> and and as an additional precaution, like I try to split my money. Like, you know, I have two bank accounts or something. So if they get a hold of my one bank account, they will only get like half of my money. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's really smart. That's Paranoia 101. <laughs> so next scam that we have on the list is investment scams. And this is something that, you know, a lot of us are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. So maybe the top two is pyramiding scam oh, yeah. and the Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Right? So pyramiding is you recruit members, you pay a fee, but then there's not really a product about it. Like the actual product is you recruiting new members to the pyramiding scheme, and that's that's how they make money. And it usually has same components. One is they usually overpromise. Like investment scams usually overpromise returns. They would give you twenty five percent every month forever, something like that. Ah, okay. And then usually they would use fear of missing out as a kind of trying to lure you. Hey, you know what? Customer A did uh, joined us last month, and you know what he has right now? He has a brand new car. He has a brand new house. You know, you should do it right now. We have limited seats, ah. so you should grab one now. Otherwise, you know, we won't have a seat for you. So something like that. Ah. So before making a hasty decision, please do your research because chances are they are already in the internet. And one of the most popular Ponzi scheme in the Philippines was called Kappa. Hmm. Do you, have you heard about this Kappa investment? No. Sounds like it could be a fraternity. No, not really. It okay. sounds like a fraternity, <laughs> but this one has a l- one-letter P. So ah, okay, okay. Actually, this scam victimized 5 million Filipinos. Oh my God, that's a lot. Yeah, and majority of it uh, is from uh, Mindanao. Oh. And it's actually very recently because it was Rodrigo, President Rodrigo Duterte in 2019 who forced the company to be ceased because it really was uh, an investment scam. So the scam was Kappa, the the entity itself, it's not even an investment firm. It's a not-for-profit religious organization. Okay. So you give your money as a donation. Oh. And Kappa Investment would give you 30% as a blessing. So it's like, huh? Oh. Donation and then blessing. So it's like my blessing is 30%. So <laughs> uh-huh. and 30% then... obviously is very high, right? Yeah. So it's a very lucrative promise of return. So what they actually do, it's a Ponzi scheme. Mm. So if you give me your 1,000, mm-hmm. then, then I need to give you 30%, right? Mm. So that means I need to find somebody else who will join so that I will take the 30% that I promise you from his or her investment. So it's like it's a continuous scheme. Of course, it stops when nobody invests, yeah. if there are no fresh funds that are infused to this investment, then it all falls down because we stop giving the 30%, right? Because we, we no longer have money. Mm-hmm. So for it to keep going, it has to find new victims. And that's why it amassed 5 million people because, you know, that's the only way for it to survive. It has to find new money to pay as blessings to the already existing victims. So, yeah. 
it, it made the news as well because it went national. Five million Filipinos is like five percent of our total population. That is a lot of people, yes. And it's very, I would say, addictive because you will really see the thirty percent. Mm. So for for you as a victim, you would never believe it's a scam because you are reaping the benefits. Like I'm really getting thirty percent. Yeah. All along. That 30% is not coming from actual investments. Like Kappa as a firm is not actually putting the money into something productive that would generate 30%. It's actually getting money capital from new investors. So at the end of the day, when the machine stops turning, everybody loses money because they will never get back the entirety of their capital. Yeah. You give 1,000, you receive, oh, it's working. So you put in more money, you put in more money. Yeah, so it's a vicious cycle. Oh, yeah, that is true. Or you probably tell other people, right? So you're probably, mm. that's the reason why it spread so much as well. Because the people who got the first 30%, right? They they were the ones who were probably also spreading it. Mm. Investment as a practice is very heavily regulated. So better check if the entity that you're investing into is properly registered with the SEC or Securities and Exchange Commission. Because otherwise... It's it's a fraud, right? So you better check what their registration is, what their legal entity name is. And in SEC website, they have a list of mm. registered uh, investment firms. So yeah, or quasi-banking institutions. You can do a quick search over the internet. It's very quick to verify and validate whether it's a real investment or not, or it's a scam. Protect your hard-earned money. Don't give it away easily. Yes. It's really appealing, right? Come to yeah. think of it. If you... If you really want to, I would say, live comfortably, like the notion of receiving 30% in perpetuity, it would make you lazy. You, you probably <laughs> would quit your job and then put all your money in that investment, right? Because, hey, I could just, you know, live at home, not really going to work. Exactly. Where else would you get that? Like even if you dabble in stocks, which is like a high risk but high reward investment, right? You don't get thirty percent a month. No. Right. Not not really. <laughs> not really. Not consistently. Not con- at least. yeah, <laughs> no, definitely not consistently. So yes, mm. this sounds too good to be true. Definitely. You know, a lot of people actually lost their pension money all their savings, e- even sold their houses uh, just to invest in these schemes. And, you know, oh God. Uh, okay. it all ended in heartaches and tears because it all was fake. That's so sad. All right, so our next scam on the list is text message scam. So there are various text message scams in the Philippines and an article on yugatech.com from 2019 features a few. So first mm. is the raffle. This type of scam revolves around a text claiming that you've won a prize, usually a cash prize, in outrageous numbers. Mm. A raffle text scam will often tell you that you need to call a certain number to claim your prize. And if you do call mm. the number, the person on the other end will ask you to send money for them to process your prize. <laughs> other times, they'll ask you to send them load first before you can claim your prize. So this doesn't just happen actually in text. I think in emails, this is also common. Like, oh, you won. Yeah. I get this in my spam folder a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think that was one of the first spam emails that I got. And it's uh, a letter from a Nigerian prince. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm giving you s- some crazy number of dollars because I'm a prince, but I need you to send me money first. <laughs> to process the shipping or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, Which okay. seems like, mm, are you sure? Already, that's mm. re- anytime they ask you for money first, just say no. So so the next scam is similar because it's online scam. Mm. And they usually use like very poor grammar in their messages. It was like, 
these guys are stupid. Like, why would they use wrong grammar in their emails? And it would make it obvious that they are scammers. Mm-hmm. But actually, they purposely use wrong grammar so that they can sift the gullible ones and the smart ones. Exactly. So the people who are gullible are probably not paying close attention to the grammar or to the wrong spellings. And so they fall victim. Like, if I'm the scammer, I don't want to receive a lot of replies from smart asses with clever responses, right? Mm -hmm. So to avoid that, I would purposely use wrong spellings and all that so that the ones that would reply to me are really ones that are gullible. And those that are really willing to send me money. So also to save my time. So yeah, that was clever. Yeah, they are pretty clever. Yes. So the second one is missent load. So this scam begins off with a text that looks similar to the confirmation message of pass a load, share a load, autoload max and the like, letting you know that you reloaded credits to your mobile number. Afterward, you'll receive a text saying that they mistakenly entered their new prepaid credits to your number and then they'll ask you to return it to them. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. I remember that scam. Oh my God. Then we have the third one is new roaming number. This one can be considered as one of the classic text scams out there. The scammer pretends to be a relative or a family member of yours from abroad. They're announcing that they have a new number and will ask if you received the package they sent months ago. To round it up, they'll say they're running out of load, so they're urgently requesting that you load up credits to their number. Mm. In the Philippines, right, a lot of people have OFW relatives. That is why this is common, because most Filipinos would have at least one, right? So if they say, oh, you will just automatically assume that, for example, if it's your family member, they say, oh, this is probably... Ray because he's abroad, mm. right? So yeah. actually, my mom fell <laughs> victim to this years Ooh. ago. And she only realized it was a scam thanks to my brother who said, if that's ate, why is she talking in Tagalog? <laughs> <laughs> you, should, you should have a security question yes. and answer, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Are you really sure you're D? Mm-hmm. Like, what was your first name uh, yeah <laughs> exactly yeah i think there should be there should be otherwise you know yeah but i think they usually the older people are more likely to fall victim to this because they just are too trusting maybe or they don't realize that there are scammers in you know tech situations or something mm. so the fourth one is an i got into an accident it branches from the new roaming number scam but this one has the <laughs> scammer pretending as also a relative of yours, but the relative got into some accident and they need load so they can call you up and inform you of what happened to them. The other version is them saying they're your child and that they need you to send prepaid credits because they have run out and they're just borrowing someone else's phone to text you. So it's kind of like the dugu dugu gang, but yeah, but just small scale because it's just prepaid load. Why are the text message comes about prepaid load usually? I just realize and probably because it's the the most convenient way to get money from people. Once you give it, like you can't take it back. Ah, true. And you don't really need a lot of resource, or you don't need to go to a bank, or you don't need to log in. You just send money, right? Yeah. Or you go to a sari sari store and give the person. Wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. If if that family member doesn't have a load anymore, that's why he borrowed a friend's phone, then if you send load, you would send it to your actual <laughs> yeah. family member's number. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, why would I send this to a stranger's <laughs> number? 
it's not the stranger who needs the load. It's my family member. That's true. This doesn't seem like, you know, it was yeah, thought um, out well. Hmm. Yeah. And again, probably it, it wants to sift the, the smart asses <laughs> from the gullible ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have a point. <laughs> the next one is about online scams, right? Yeah. So I mentioned the first online scam, which is similar to the tax scam, which is the advanced fee scam, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Like the Nigerian prince. And I think another online scam is fake retailers. Like right now, a lot of people are shopping online. Uh, you go to your trusted sites like Amazon, but still there are a lot of online shops outside of this ecosystem that would you know offer you probably a product that's too good to be true and then you key in your credit card information then you wait you wait you wait and nothing arrives oh no and then all of a sudden you notice your credit card statement it's being used by something else oh god your credit card information is already stolen by some criminal organization and it's Uh. used to purchase maybe subscriptions into late night internet sites uh, that would cost you maybe a hundred dollars per month or per day so yeah well why don't they use it for something you know higher in value like buying cell phones or something do you think that they could also use it for that probably because it's trackable and Ah. i don't know if if i were a criminal I would not buy something that would, you know, lead the policeman to me, right? So Uh, I would usually use it for online shopping, something that uh, doesn't really have a physical presence or doesn't leave a physical footprint, like, say, my address, my delivery address, shipment details and all that. Okay, you have a point. And also, maybe Mm. if it's small enough, it will not be that noticeable. Like, some people don't really check their credit card statements all the time, right? Yeah. Like, you know, they just check it at the end of the month. And some people even don't. They, They just, okay, they just pay whatever is on the bill and that's it. Yes. And sometimes it's on auto debit. So you don't really know sometimes until you check. Yeah, you really do have to be vigilant about guarding your credit card because it happened to, I think it was my teammate. She was on Booking.com or Agoda, you know, those travel websites. Yeah. And then like maybe the one, the hotel who had their credit card was Cammy. And then she just got fraudulent charges. She called the credit card to refute them. Like, why do I do I have this? Her credit card was new because she had just moved to Singapore at the time. So she had only used it on Booking.com or Agoda, one of those. So she knew that it was them, right? Like, who else would have her credit card details? So yeah, that's why make it a habit to check your credit card statement. It's very easy, right? There's an app for that these days. Hmm. These schemes keep on evolving. Yeah. Like, even though you think you know everything, Mm -hmm. chances are, you know, the, the schemes evolve faster than you could comprehend. So yeah, please check. So the next item on our list is the Boodle Boodle Gang. So what is that, right? The Boodle Boodle Gang can strike anywhere using their alleged powers of hypnotism and boodle or counterfeit money, hence the name. So I didn't know until now that that's where the boodle came from. So yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's apparently the money. So their modus operandi might have evolved over the years, but their basic tactic is to lure or blackmail their victims into handing over their cash or valuables in exchange for a bag filled with fake bills or products, or you know the boodle mm-hmm. money. So in one reported instance, two suspected boodle boodle gang members managed to get a cell phone a Walkman, and 2,000 pesos from a 16-year-old girl in Cebu. The suspects claimed they were looking for a vehicle to transport their things. Before they went to search for a vehicle, they asked the girl to hold on to a bag supposedly filled with money. 
but asked her to give them her valuables as a sort of safety deposit. When they took a while to come back, she discovered that the bag contained only fake bills. Mm. Yeah, and she's only 16. That's so sad. Yeah, I mean... It's probably very traumatic. Yeah. Yes. And in another incident, a victim claimed some Budul-Budul gang members hypnotized her into giving them her money, jewelry, and mobile phones. She said she did not remember much after a man allegedly engaged her in small talk while she was walking along Ortigas Avenue. All she could recall was getting inside a van, drinking a glass of water, and handing over two years of her seaman husband's savings. Oh no. All that in exchange for a black bag stuffed with sheets of paper. So I think this is the common one that I've read before, right? Mm. This is actually a really old story. Not this specific story, but we've heard these versions of this a long time ago, yeah, right? Several versions, yeah. Yeah, even before social media existed, I remember hearing about this. It usually involves someone not realizing that they're getting hypnotized or they just assume that they were probably hypnotized because otherwise, how could they have done such a thing? Yeah. I mean, it really takes a little bit of skill, right? Mm-hmm. People really are good with hypnosis and these are people probably training for it and there are days or there are times in the day where we are susceptible to these kind of things. Like maybe you're from work, you're really tired, your mind is beat. And if somebody approaches you and maybe, you know, you're, you, you've become hypnotized because, mm. I don't know, they, they have this skill. Like you watch the show uh, Mentalist. Oh, right? yes. <laughs> Patrick Jane, yes. Patrick Jane, yeah. So because of that show, I've become more conscious of, you know, people trying to scheme you, trying to, you know, razzle-dazzle you, slight of tongue and slight of hand, and they would perform a magic trick on you and steal all your money in exchange for some boodle money. So oh Yeah, God, so it's actually really possible, right? Like, maybe yeah. when you hear this, you think, um, you could be judgmental. Like, how, who would fall victim to this? Like, surely it's easy not to believe some strangers, but... Sometimes when you're in the moment, as you said, maybe you're tired, maybe you're just like Mm. not really thinking hard or something, then you could just not predict how you would act, you know, especially when you're Mm. in the presence of a professional criminal. Mm. And in fact, uh, in college, I remember one of my friends fell victim to what might have been a Boodle Boodle gang or some variation of that. I don't really remember Mm. the exact details by now, but I just remember that I was walking into our school gate one afternoon and then suddenly she ran into my arms and sobbed on my shoulder. What happened? She told me that a stranger had somehow convinced her to hand over her Nokia 30 310 cell phone, which was Mm. expensive for a college student from a middle-class family, right? Yeah, definitely. My friend is a smart person. Uh, I don't think she would have been an easy victim. So Mm. something happened. Like whoever this other person was was really good at whatever it was they were doing. So the last scam is something that I didn't believe was a scam. It's called the fake dried mangoes in the Philippines scam. <laughs> that is such a, whoa, what a huge scam. Whoa. What is that yeah. about? <laughs> so Philippines is obviously known with dried mangoes, right? And mm-hmm. so, so tourists, especially in, the, in Cebu, Philippines, where dried mangoes are supposed to come from, they would fall into victim of vendors who would try to sell them unbranded dried mangoes at a discount. So they will Uh say, oh, buy it from me. You will buy a bag full of dried mangoes for cheap. Like one bag in the supermarket is like one very big bag from me. So a lot of tourists would buy Mm -hmm. like a kilo of dried mangoes from these vendors and then 
when they reach home, when they open the bags, it's not dried mangoes, it's full of candies. <laughs> what kind of candy? <laughs> Mango what candy. Kind of candies? It's full of candies. And I really feel bad because what if these tourists mm-hmm. didn't open the bag until they arrive at, say, oh, yes. their home country, mm-hmm. right? And then, oh, you know what I brought? I brought some dried mangoes from Cebu, Philippines. And then when, <laughs> when their family opened the bag, these are not dried mangoes. These are but bobot. These are... <laughs> Oh my god, this is such a funny scam. So I, I mean, still feel bad Dark for candies. those people, but <laughs> why? This is so random. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I, I really thought when you said fake dried mangoes that somehow they had made something that looked like dried mangoes, but actually not mangoes, you mm-hmm. know? like So it's a, it's a budo. <laughs> like, instead of dried mangoes, it's like fake, it's like candies. Yes. To conclude this, right? So how do you think we should avoid getting scammed? Mm, that's a very good question. I think be more skeptical. Mm-hmm. As an auditor, we are trained to have professional skepticism. Mm-hmm. Like, try to <laughs> ask yourself, hmm, is this really true? Is that really the case? So try to be more skeptic. Yeah, just don't blindly trust strangers. Not just strangers, but don't just blindly trust what people tell you, you right? Yeah, especially those grandois offers like millions of dollars from a Nigerian prince. So yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes in the heat of the moment, that's what they take advantage of anyway to get you to act urgently. So don't do that. Mm. Take time to assess. Don't say yes immediately. Like mm. even if it's your closest friend, you know, trying to invite you to an investment, like don't get pressured and fear that, oh, you're missing out a lot because a lot of people are into this investment. So don't, don't feel pressured like take your time don't say yes yet like do your research mm-hmm. maybe it's kappa search online yeah <laughs> if, if that name is legit it has a physical presence it's not just an online online fad and scam yeah that's a good idea and if you do get scammed then go to the police and make sure that <laughs> the policeman is not a scammer no just kidding <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, if it's it's, no. it's not just like some what do you call this security guard dressed as a policeman. Just kidding. Um, yeah. Mm. So because usually in the Philippines, if something bad happens to you, like you're a victim of a crime, usually you don't even bother to go to the policeman because we do not really have faith on policemen, right? Yeah. That's true. But it's good to still go and lodge a report so that at least, you know, uh, there's a record of it and maybe it will help mm. other people in the future. Yeah. Even if you don't retrieve whatever it is that was lost, right? Mm-hmm. But at least there's a record of it and you help reduce or stop this scheme, right? Um, yeah. Because for sure, if you if you keep silent, a lot more people will be victimized. And so, yes. yeah, try to put yourself into the shoes of other people, like, hey, this could happen to you. And for that not to happen, I will report it to the police. And not just with the police, like spread it everywhere, social Mm, media, to your closest friends, your family, share it to them so that, you know, they are more aware as well and so that they won't become victims. Because the worst thing that could happen is you keep silent and then maybe two weeks later, you find your friend crying. Hey, what happened? Ooh, I invested into Kappa. Ooh, me too, last week. (laughs) Why did you not tell me? (laughs) 
yeah, the risk is that you would not tell anyone because you are ashamed, right? That yeah. you fell victim to this, which you think is like, Ang ko naman, or like, how stupid am I that I fell for this scam? But the thing is, it's, you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. Again, it could be that, you know, these are professionals, right? Five million people became victims mm. to Kappa. Are we sure that those 5 million people, all of them are stupid? No, right? No. Yeah, yeah. So don't be afraid because Filipinos, we are too, is it prideful is the term? Like we don't want to appear stupid or something, right? Yeah. We shouldn't think that way. It's good to spread awareness. That's right. Yes. And I think that's all that we have on that. Cutie Minute. It's time for our followers. Cutie Minute. Your thoughts in our voice. Cutie Minute. Not really one minute, but we're calling it. Cutie Minute. The first cutie minute we have is from Jeric, and this one is a very unique message because it's actually in audio. Yeah, we love it. It's the first one we have. Yeah, we love it. And here it is. Dude, I totally love this episode. And seriously, if you're going to do another part of this, I can do even the sound effects like and even sing songs like it's so crazy though when he said tarugo tarugo is another word for you know what so that's so funny dude hunter x hunter mata ohayo o te ite mata yume o misete kyo omu genkyu de sugo setara iione oh deba you see, that was very good, D. Yeah. And I really wish more people would send us audio. And it's not really that hard, right? Yeah, it's not at all. You just go on Instagram. And if you DM someone or direct message someone, right? You will see a microphone icon at the bottom mm. of the screen. So you hit that. Yeah. And then that will record a voice message. Yes. So if you want your voice to be heard on QT Minute, please. Send us an audio. And don't feel intimidated by Jeric's message. I know he has a really good <laughs> sounding voice. And he is a really good singer and sound effects maker. <laughs> and that is because he is also a podcaster on Langa Speaks. But just be your normal self. That's fine. <laughs> Thanks, Jeric. Our next cutie is Elma underscore 358 on Instagram. She had this comment on our episode 10. Will naming your kid COVID Bryant affect his future? And she said, Just to share an anecdote, my mom's original name is Caridad because her two older sisters are Fe, Esperanza, and her as the next one is Caridad. You know, being born Catholic, my grandparents thought of naming them Faith, Hope, and Charity. But since she had been sickly as a child, they thought that changing the name can also change my mom's health. So they changed her name to Elvira. And I guess that worked because she stopped getting sick. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the power of name. This was a common belief in the olden days. So if I name my child Whitey, he will be what? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's only about sickly children, I think. Like, uh, you know, if, if somebody is sickly, they're saying that you need to change the child's name because the name is bad gotcha. and making the kid sickly. Interesting. And the next comment we have is from Facebook, and this is in response to episode 33, Why Are Filipinos Afraid to Speak in English? And this is from Katrina G. It's true, conyo indeed means mm in Spanish. <laughs> What's mm? <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a female genitalia 
in Spanish. Before I learned Spanish, I didn't know what it was or what was its origin until I heard my Spanish client cussing and having arguments with one of his business partners. I often hear him saying, Conyo cabron or conyo bastardo, lol. I eventually found out that conyo was indeed a vulgar word and my mind was blown. I was in a Skype meeting when I found out. I literally laughed so hard. <laughs> it was so embarrassing, but my client laughed harder when I told him what conyo meant in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a nice one, Katrina. This is a real life example of a lost in translation. <laughs> And this was a business partner, so I mean, a client. Yeah, that is a true. Client. And our last cutie is Instagram user Maria underscore Krishna. So actually, she reacted to one of my posts, I think. And then I asked her, where are you based? Also, how did you discover our podcast, if you don't mind me asking? And then she replied, oh my god, I'm killing with this. I'm in Canada. I can't remember how and when I started, but I'm listening to your podcast since first episode. Oh, that's so sweet. My all-time favorite is your 30s better than 20s episode. Honestly, thank you so much for bringing entertainment to my morning drive. It means a lot. More power to your podcast. Ah, oh, that is so sweet. And we are also kilig about this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it re- it's really nice though to hear these kinds of comments from people you don't know, right? Like that means yeah. that they are not biased. <laughs> yeah, they're not biased and they're not paid. <laughs> what? Are you saying we are paying our friends and family? <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 a good feeling to have people who we don't know sharing that you know we've been part of their routine like so for Maria Krishna we're part of her morning drive yeah hope we won't cause an accident <laughs> what if she laughs too hard and then <laughs> please drive safely drive safely don't laugh while driving okay maybe not I think you can laugh while driving <laughs> no, <laughs> You can, you can, you, laugh, can, while you can laugh while driving. And that's it. Thank you very much, guys. And please continue to leave your comments on Instagram and Facebook or email. And mm. see you next week. Yes, bye.